Okay, I'd like to welcome today's guest, one of Point of Rental's strategic SDRs, Joseph, a.k.a. Joey, a.k.a. Squowy, a.k.a. let's just call him Joseph <laughs> Marks. Joey, welcome to the front porch. Yeah, thank you, Brian. I appreciate you having me. Everybody make sure you like, comment, and subscribe and turn those notification bells on. Oh, there we go. Another another guy who uses the, the YouTubes. I like to pretend I'm super old and call <laughs> it the YouTubes. Well, this will be a museum-quality podcast. All right, perfect. Welcome to The Front Porch with Brian Beaudry. So let's start with the basics. Uh, who are you? Where are you from? And just to immediately alienate everyone that works around us, um, what's your favorite football team? Well, I'm an Eagles fan. Uh, I'm originally from uh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I grew up in a small town called York, Pennsylvania. Um, and then after that, I went to King's College, which is a small Catholic school in northern PA. And after I graduated, I knew I wanted to move to a big city. And okay, try so, out a but you state. didn't want to go to Philadelphia because too many <laughs> Eagles fans. Maybe, but uh <laughs> wanted to just move west and go to a whole new state, a whole new culture and everything. And I originally had a dro- job that brought me down to uh, Dallas. All right. Well, we'll we'll find out more about that in, in a little bit here. So let's see. You did cover who you are, where you're from, and, and you mentioned that you're a horrible Eagles fan. Um. <laughs> So what did you want to be when you were a kid, whenever you first remember having like the answer to everyone's question to kids, which is, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, kind of two things. One, a paleontologist. Okay. Is that a Jurassic Park thing? or? Um, no, paleontology is a, is a little bit different. I mean, it could just be dinosaurs, but it's also all okay. types of prehistoric animals. And I was more into post you know, post-dinosaurs, post-dinosaur uh, creatures. Mm, you want it to be uh, a, a hipster of <laughs> like, no, dinosaurs are too mainstream. So I really liked uh, Roy Chapman Andrews, who was the guy who discovered the Andrew Sarkis. And he was actually the character who Indiana Jones was based off of. Okay. I can um, understand. I can understand. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Getting into that. <laughs> so that was archaeology, but they based him off a of paleontologist, but wanted to do that. But also as I got a little bit older, um, I wanted to be a cartoonist. Okay. When I was in middle school, elementary school. Okay, so it you're not currently a a cartoonist slash paleontologist. Um, at, at what point did you stop pursuing those, or are you secretly pursuing those uh, still on the side? Well, if you go to the uh, SDR area, there's a board filled with uh, caricatures that I've drawn of all of the uh, fellow SDRs. <laughs> mm, okay. So I guess in a way I'm still living right. up to that. St- Still uh, keeping it part of your your day to day. Okay, we'll have to get some of those pictures and and put that in. Uh, Andrew, enjoy that project. <laughs> uh, okay, so I guess how close did you get? At what point did you decide mm, paleontology? Nah. Um, well, when I got into more middle school and high school, I got really interested in economics and history and business and politics. So when I graduated, I knew I wanted to do something in the business world. Okay. Cool. So uh, let's see. What, what was it? What was it like at? Uh, it was King's College, you said. Yeah, I went to the King's College. Yeah. Okay. So I, you know, I thought we were in America and we got rid of the Kings, but I guess there's still <laughs> King's College over in. What What were you What were you planning on uh, learning there? Yeah. So a little bit of history. Or what's your major? I guess. Yeah. So I studied international business and minored in economics, and sort of the history of King's College is is a small uh, Catholic school owned by the Holy Cross Knights, which are the same knights that founded uh, Notre Dame okay. in Indiana. 
And the reason King's College was created is in the early 1900s, um, there were a lot of coal mines that were operating in northeastern Pennsylvania. Yes. And there weren't a lot of institutions for um, children of the coal miners to go and, you know, better themselves and get an education. So the Holy Cross Knights founded, you know, King's College there, King being, you know, Jesus named after. So, um, okay. yeah, I wound up going there. It was a really great education. I got to study abroad while I was there, met a lot of great friends. And uh, I spoke. Okay, well, you can't just say you went to study abroad and, like, not say where you studied abroad. <laughs> I studied abroad in France. Oh, cool. Like, where in France? It's a, it's a yeah, relatively it's, big, <laughs> it's not true. as big as the United States, but it's still a pretty big country. Yeah, I was in Grenoble, which is okay. a, uh, you know, town in the Alps. Really beautiful. Okay. Um, really beautiful place. And got to travel around Europe, meet a lot of people. Neat. So that was part of, like, international business? Yes, that was part of it. Yeah. Okay. So what, what did you work for an international business while you were over there? Or was it just, like, educational? Or how is it, like, an internship? Um, I just did a semester abroad. So I just okay. did school abroad. Um, we learned a lot about international business, as you can imagine. Cool. All right. So do you speak French now or no? Uh, no, my French is really bad. Okay. Um, I took more German in high school than anything, but uh, don't ask me to speak either. <laughs> okay, good. We don't want to offend our uh, French and German and or German listeners. All right. So you come back. Um, obviously, you, you intended to get out of Pennsylvania at some point, it, it seems. So, uh, not, not necessarily. I just wanted to move to. Hey, you said you wanted city. to go west. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. I wanted to kind of see something new outside the East Coast, experience something new. Um, I took a trip um, to the Pacific Northwest um, my senior year, and I was like, "Wow, there's a lot of this country that I haven't uh, seen yet." So, where did you so, visit in the Northwest? Because I am a former Northwestern. So I was in Portland. I know you're from okay. Oregon, right? I've I've lived around Portland. Yes. Yeah. So went to Portland because I have a buddy that lives there, and then okay. we did Seattle. And I have two friends that I met when I studied abroad that live in Vancouver. So I spent some time there as well. Nice. Just so. tour, up, tour up and down I-5. I got you. Yeah, exactly. It was a beautiful drive. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so basically I just kind of wanted to, you know, see something new. And, uh, you know, Texas is, you know, a lot of people know it's a booming economy, a lot of opportunity, a lot of people from around the world. So, you know, it worked out pretty well. Yeah. So, so what basically, obviously, I mean, you come from Pennsylvania, you visited the Pacific Northwest. What got you down to Texas? You mentioned a job, but what, what is said job? Yeah. So originally I worked at this company called Johnson Controls. I interned with them throughout college. They're okay. a large uh, engineering company that does mostly uh, HVAC and uh, security solutions. Okay. And I did uh, some tech writing and finance internships um, back in York, Pennsylvania and then after I graduated, I basically had a uh, mentor who, you know, convinced me that uh, sales is like a really great career to get into. Um, and I was looking at um, different sales options in the organization, and I applied to this program, and I just sort of blanket applied to any city to see what would happen. Yeah. And the one that uh, selected me was Dallas, and I was flown down here for an interview Checked the city out, was really impressed with it. Had some really good barbecue. And I was like, this would be a cool place to live. So, so yeah, a couple of years ago, I uh, moved down here and uh, loved it, you know, ever since. Cool. So, what was your mentor in sales? Or was he not, or he or she, I guess, I don't know what your mentor. Yeah, he was a, I think he, he was like a teacher for like 10 or 15 years. And uh, okay. 
then he switched into sales and he used a lot of his skills that he learned, um, you know, teaching kids and helping kids. For sure. Um, he, you know, was like, I could do the same thing, helping customers, helping clients. Um, so at first I wasn't sure what I necessarily was going to do, whether I was going to do like supply chain analysis or different things. And uh, when sales became like an option that I learned more about, I was like, that's definitely what I want to do after I graduate. Cool. So, okay. So you're, you're at this place, you made it to Texas. Um, what got you here to point of rental? Yeah. So during the uh, pandemic, I really wanted to get into software sales and, you know, I was looking online at all different types of, you know, software SaaS sale, selling jobs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I came across a uh, point of rental and then uh, Lathan, uh, one of the recruiters here reached out to me. I was really impressed um, with him. And then, you know, I had my interviews with uh, Jonathan, who's the uh, global SDR uh, director. Yep. And very impressed with him and very impressed with the team. And that's why I'm here today. Okay. So you, you think we're impressive. Obviously, you didn't meet me before you came. I didn't say you, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> All right. Um, so you came here as an SDR. Um, and it's been, it's been a couple years. The SDR team has grown. Can, can you share with me some of the... The things that you've seen, I guess, over the past couple of years as you've grown from, you know, just a handful of people to a, a much larger team. Yeah. So there's uh, been a lot of changes. Uh, even the office space looks completely different because it was totally renovated and they added all these extra sections. Um, and the team has grown a lot because originally it was uh, uh, just uh, three of us uh, for a while, uh, three outbound and one inbound. And Jonathan was our manager. Um, we had some you know, people overseas as well, yeah. but uh, now the team is, uh, you know, obviously very large. So definitely changed a lot. I've seen uh, the process changes, the way we've uh, sold things changed, and everything. So I guess what what have the challenges been for you as as you had to go through some of these changes? I know change comes easier for some people than others. Yeah, I, I think in the software world and just in like the world in general, there's post uh, pandemic. There are so many changes to the way we do work, to the way we approach problems, and to the way, uh, you know, customers buy and the way they think. Um, so that's always something that you have to be very cautious about, and that's something that you always have to have in the back of your mind, that what you were doing that worked so well maybe, you know, five, ten years ago is not going to necessarily work as well today. Yeah, especially since five to ten years ago, you weren't you weren't even doing sales. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so uh, we mentioned, obviously, your title is st- – strategic SDR. It's so easy for me to say. Um, what is the difference between a strategic SDR and a regular SDR? Yeah. So when I first started, um, you know, being an SDR, we would call on or talk to or sell to any type of company, uh, whether they were a one user, you know, mom and pop store or whether they were the largest uh, rental companies on earth. Um, so there wasn't really like a necessarily a difference between the two, Yeah, but you know, Point of Rental realized that uh, we have a lot of uh, strategic customers and we have a lot of interest in the strategic space. So it's definitely something to focus on. So uh, so Jack and Jack Baker and I are the uh, two strategic SDRs here, and we're essentially tasks, tasked with uh, business development in regards to larger enterprise uh, customers. And okay, prospects. so that's what a strategic uh, company is, is, is a, a larger enterprise. Yeah, so there's different phrases that people use, mid-market, strategic, enterprise. Yeah. Uh, mid-market kind of tends to refer to those companies that have multiple locations, maybe in different states, 
uh, strategic enterprise could be companies that are, you know, nationwide and they're everywhere or sometimes a lot of times even globally. Okay. So how, how does it kind of the approach, obviously you've, you've done it to every level. So what changes in your approach from a, a, a mom and pop store to a strategic enterprise? Enterprises accounts just take a long time. Um, the decision-making process has several people involved. Um, there's obviously, uh, there's a lot more legal aspects of it. There's a lot more review that has to go down with maybe a board of directors, maybe um, a complete IT team, different directors in different sectors, whether it's sales or technology. And there's a lot of, there's a lot more meetings and there's a lot more uh, due diligence that goes into things. There's also a lot more, uh, there's a lot more to talk about in regards with integrations with different products that people may use. A lot of times when you have an SMB or velocity, as we call the small business accounts, yeah. um, they might uh, only need one integration to something as easy as QuickBooks. When you're talking to a large company, they might have different software for their dealership side. And obviously that's when those conversations get a lot more complex. Yeah. And I would assume like if you're, a business of that size, then you've had a lot of time to acquire other tech that it's like, okay, well, yeah. we do have all of these things that we rely on. We need you to work with those rather than, you know, if you're, if you're a startup, then it's like, Hey, great. We'll we'll find whatever works with you. Yeah, absolutely. And these strategic deals too are not, uh, the, the capital that they're going to invest in this is a lot. So they really want to make sure that they do, they check everything single box. Yeah. So these deals can take anywhere from six months to a year to more, depending on the size of a company, depending on their timeline. That's the, definitely the major difference. Yeah. So what what's your favorite part about having transferred to become a strategic SDR? I think it's really interesting working with companies of that size. Um, it's interesting seeing how their different departments uh, talk to each other. Yeah. And how we as a company are working with other software partners and trying to figure out integrations, trying to figure out how, you know, we're going to work with some of these markets and what we have done as far as strategic accounts has been really successful with our current customers. So it's a really interesting uh, space to be in. Cool. Okay. Well now we're going to get into your not before we get into your non-professional life, we need to play a game quick. Uh, it's going to be called Joey or Noe. Uh, if you agree with the statement, it or it's true, you say Joey, and obviously, if you disagree, you got to say Noe, and you have to tell me why. Feels weird saying my name like that, but okay. Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna say, hey, you're supposed to feel weird here. Okay, so Joey or Noe, you've cheated at a board game. I've never cheated at a board game. So <laughs> you seem like you take it very seriously. Yeah, I do. Like, because, how dare uh, you even suggest that? I do because about a week ago, I was playing Risk with some of my friends and. Uh, he, <laughs> he slipped the card onto his table, uh, hoping no one would see his, uh, you know, his troop bonus when he trades in. <laughs> mm. And uh, I called him out. I said, "Hey, man, you slipped that card," and he was like, "Ah, you got me." <laughs> okay, I take well, that seriously. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say there's some level of credit for honesty after the fact, but no, like, you're like, all right, now I don't know if I can play with you again. Okay, Joey or Noe. If you could find out how you were going to die, you would want to know. That's a weird question, but uh, <laughs> I'm not threatening I, you. I, okay, just, it's just, just so we're making clear. sure. Yeah, um, I would say yeah. I would probably like to. No, you would say Joey or Noe. This oh, is this is Joey. It's very important that you play along with the rules. Yeah, Joey. Okay. 
Do I expand upon that? <laughs> yes, you still expand upon it. But I, I'm sorry, I cannot tell you how you're going to die. Okay. Well, I think uh, it'd be good to get my affairs in order. That's fair. Um, if that makes sense. I like it. Very responsible and organized. Yeah. Everyone else has said no so far. So That's uh, interesting. Okay. Joey or Noe? You've told an outrageous lie to a child. Noe. Oh. Well, I, I, I've never lied to a child. Okay. <laughs> How many how many children have you had the opportunity to to lie to though? Um, <laughs> I guess I guess you could just kind of say anything to a kid, and they might just think because you're a grown up that it's exactly. real. I know somebody that once did that. They didn't do it with um, a child. They did it with a bunch of college students. I knew this guy that was from Ireland, and. <laughs> He was going to school in America, and he convinced everybody that there is an island off the coast of Ireland that has that is Jurassic Park. That they actually mm-hmm. recreated that, and no one questioned them. That that is like the best part I think about going from one country to another is you can find those people that are willing to believe. Yeah, because it like, doesn't. Well, even you're need from to be, there, so yeah. I mean, you have you definitely know more than I would. <laughs> Adults are just as gullible as children. <laughs> All right, that's a good pull quote for for later. It's just. <laughs> Okay, Joey or Noe, you prefer working from home to working at the office. I mean, I like everybody at the office. Or, Again, Joey oh, or sorry, Noe I, here, sir. <laughs> given too many politician answers. Um, Noe, okay. um, I prefer working from home. Like coming into the office and seeing everybody. Well, if, if you prefer working from home, then it's Joey. Oh, then it's Joey. Sorry. I prefer working from home. Okay. And why is that? Um, I, I think I just... It's easier to make uh, meetings and calls. Uh, it's, there's less distraction. So it's just a little bit easier for me. It's a little bit calmer of a pace. Okay. Joey or Noe, you have an embarrassing nickname or a nickname that you hate. Let's say Noe because I have a nickname that someone here gave me, uh, but I like it. It's oh, what, a, what is that one? Because so, we already went over Joey, obviously, and Squoey. Yeah, I have several nicknames. Um but uh, Brandon Jones gave me uh, Joe Bagels as a nickname. And why are you Joe Bagels? I'm not really sure, but I, but it works really but, well. But bagels are pretty good. So. They are really good. Okay. All right. Well, let's have a little break now. As an equipment owner, your time is money, and equipment uptime is crucial. But your parts procurement process isn't designed for speed or accuracy. Technicians spend half their time searching for parts using multiple logins and paper manuals. Management wastes time establishing pricing terms, searching through your ERP system, and creating work orders. The efficiency of the entire team is impacted by down equipment due to order errors. Solve this with SmartEquip Procurement. SmartEquip saves time, money, and increases uptime for your equipment. With a single login, you can streamline your procurement lifecycle into one easy-to-use solution. SmartEquip Procurement is the leader in parts procurement technology. It simplifies finding, sourcing, and buying the right parts and supplies. Quickly identify parts with real-time access to clickable diagrams and serial number lists. Finalize orders for multiple brands efficiently. Reduce invoicing time and payment processes and eliminate incorrect order deliveries. SmartEquip seamlessly integrates into your existing ERP system so you can buy only the parts you need from any device. Increase wrench time, eliminate errors, and save time and money with SmartEquip Procurement. 
I tried preparing for one of these interviews for the first time with with you. So we actually had a little pre-production meeting. Um, spoiler alert for everyone who's super interested in the production of these. I, you mentioned that you're a big watch guy. So my first question is, how does someone discover that they're into watches? How, how did you figure out that you were a watch guy? I guess sort of how I figured it out is when I was an intern during college, there was this uh, guy that was soon to be retired that worked at the company. And he collected a lot of uh, vintage things, uh, antiques. He would go to shows. And one of his big things that he would collect would be watches and a lot of vintage watches. Okay. And just slowly started learning about it from him. And I just got instantly fascinated by it. Okay. So it, it's been going on for how many years was that? Um, that would have been like 2015. Okay. So how many, how many watches have you accumulated in these last eight years or so? It's a hard question. Um, probably, I measure it in pounds, so I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> um, probably somewhere. I mean, there's all. I have all sorts of different types of things. Um, I'll probably say ten to fifteen, maybe. Okay. If I had to. Okay, so not an insane down. amount. Yeah, not okay. not maybe as much as you thought. I was you don't say. you don't have it like wallpapering your yeah, and then I only have a few that I really wear. Okay. Daily, if that makes sense. Yeah, it would be weird if you wore all of them daily. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you repair your own? Have you gotten into that level of like watch expertise or are you a collector? Um, I have not repaired my own. I wanted to uh, at some point go to a watchmaking school. Yeah. Um, you can take classes to learn how to do it. And interestingly enough, uh, one of the main watchmaking schools is in Pennsylvania. And it's uh, pretty close to where I'm from. And I knew I didn't know a guy that did it, but I had a friend who uh, had a, had a friend that went through and did um, all the repairs. I learned how to repair a watch and everything. Um, nothing too too high level, okay. But it's something that you know I think would be a really cool hobby just to have to be able to just pop open like a cheap watch and you know play with it and try to fix it, move it around. Uh, just the cheap ones. I was gonna say, if you get really good at it, and then yeah, if well, you have this collection of watches, then it would be nice to be able yeah. to repair your own. Well, it's like being a car mechanic. It's uh, you know, do you want a professional doing it, or do you want to do something? So mm. <laughs> it just depends. Okay, so you're not gonna become a professional. Uh, Absolutely not. Watch, watch fixer. <laughs> okay, which which of your watches would you try to impress a fellow watch person with? Um, Is it the one you're wearing today, or, or I, I think. I think the one I would impress somebody that's really into watches um, that they would know what it is is a uh, Seiko SKX 007, which is a uh, diving watch. Oh, is it uh, 007 because of James Bond, or is it just it's just the name of the model? Okay. And I think I think that was part of the. I was going to say I hope it like shoots out yeah. a dart or something. <laughs> That'd be cool. I think that they purposely did that, even though the James Bond watch is in Omega. I think mm -hmm. that they. Uh, that Seiko did that because they wanted, oh, a diver watch sounds, you know, 007. In yeah. the name. It's, it's but, a little uh, guerrilla marketing-y. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> we're not going to buy the actual, like, sponsorship because that costs a lot of extra money. We could just yeah. call it 007. Okay, why yeah. is that cool? Um, it's, it's cool for a number of reasons. It's discontinued, okay. so they don't make it anymore. Um, but when they did make it, it was an extremely popular watch. Um, wasn't necessarily hard to get or anything. Um, a lot of people liked it because it was such a simple watch, and Seiko is known for you know making a lot of really great affordable watches. Okay, and it's ba it was basically one of the best uh, bang for your buck that you could get at the time, and uh, it's definitely 
a watch that I wear swimming. It's a watch that I wear out. It's definitely like a uh, a, a watch that can take a beating. Okay. Well, I do like a good uh, bang bang for my buck whenever I'm purchasing things, so that's good. Now, which which watch would you wear to impress someone that doesn't know anything about watches? Um, I'd probably my Rolex. I feel like a lot of people, uh, even if they don't know about watches, uh, yeah. know about Rolex. Um, and that's also my favorite uh, piece that I have. Okay. Why do you have, like, where did you acquire this Rolex? What what kind of Rolex is it? There's a few. Um, it's a it's a date just. Okay. Um, which means that it has the complication that tells you the date on mm-hmm. it. Um, I have one uh, from 2003. Okay. And I bought it, um, I guess, about eight years ago now. Okay. So, so that's like one of your first ones. Yes. All right. Yep. So that's a might, special place in my heart. I was sure. going to say, might as well start with like the probably the most well-known brand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, Rolex is a it's one of the most historic and one of the most uh, reliable um, yeah. brands of all time, and they have a great history, and all their pieces are uh, incredible. Cool. All right. Another thing that you said in our our little pre-production meeting is that you like traveling. So. Yes. It's it's a pretty common thing among people that can travel is is they like to travel. So, what kind of traveler are you? Are you are you like a cruise guy, a guided tour guy, a guy that goes to all the national parks, international capital cities? Are you one of those guys that's like, oh no, I don't go to the the popular touristy <laughs> spots. I only go to where all the locals go. Which one of those are you? I'm definitely the person that does the international like capital like i see the historic sites um i'll go to the like national parks and stuff too yeah I'm definitely somebody that likes to do that stuff and it's usually just all self-guided i find out what's in the area how to get there okay so you you're the person who's also creating like an itinerary yeah for for a plant for a trip before you're going yeah you're correct. like i need to hit xyz where you're going okay yep now, do you travel with, like, groups, or are you just going to these places on your own? Um, I've done all sorts of traveling, usually with other people. Um, okay. I've done a solo trip once or twice before. Um, usually it's either with family or friends, or I'll go visit friends that live other places. But generally traveling, I do with other people. But I've done solo trips a few times, and I really recommend that everybody uh, at least try that out once. Okay. So... When you're traveling with other people, are you in charge of their itinerary as well? Or is it more a case of like you guys are going somewhere and it's like, hey, I'll see you guys later. I got I got to do these things. You can yeah. come with me if you want. but I like to think I'm a pretty good person to travel with because <laughs> I'm generally somebody who says, you know, what does everybody want to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like this is what I want to do. This is the number one thing. What's your number one thing? And then we put together a, a plan. Especially when I travel with my family, it's really easy because we're all very, you know, we all have the one thing we want to do. We all make sure we do it. So that's cool. Yeah, I, I like that policy. I try to do a, a similar thing. And yeah. So you can't please. I mean, you can't. If you wanted to do everything you wanted to do, wouldn't it be fun to somebody else? So yeah, it, it's good to have like at least you make sure that you hit the the high points for everyone else. Yeah. Okay. So give me and anyone listening or, or watching this one place we I should definitely go. I think my favorite place I've ever been is Morocco. Okay. What's cool it's about Morocco? A, what should I see there? It's a, I went to Marrakesh. Okay. Um, beautiful city, beautiful culture, uh, great food, um, amazing uh, geography. Everything about it was, was incredible. I would highly recommend anyone go to Morocco. Okay. But now, 
again, you're you're pretending. Let's pretend we're traveling together, and you have that one place that you want to go within Marrakesh. What is that one place? I don't know necessarily <laughs> if it's a place, but the one thing I wanted to do when I went okay. there is ride a camel. Okay, <laughs> and I got to do that. <laughs> so, so what was that like? Are you? Is it like? Do they have it kind of like a, a horse where it's like, hey, we'll we'll give you this little tame guy? Yeah, I rode a horse uh, a long time ago when I was a kid once, and I remember being absolutely terrified of that. Um, but a camel is very chill. It's just a can You just you know sit on it, and it just is really slow. And they have uh, they're all connected right by a rope. So we were riding. They can't them. run off. That's yeah, that's good. We were just riding them through like the mountains. It was a it was like a surreal experience to ride a camel. All right, that sounds pretty fun. Okay, now what's a place I should definitely avoid? I think the probably the worst place I've ever been. Um, you're you're good at rephrasing this in the way that I'm really getting at. Which I appreciate. <laughs> Where, where's the worst place you've ever been? I think the most disappointing thing is uh, the Hollywood uh, Walk of Fame, Hollywood okay. Boulevard. Um, it's one of the biggest tourist traps of any you know place I've ever been. Yeah, I've heard a, a lot of negative stuff. Okay. You would go there thinking it was going to be cool because you see all these, you know, actors' names on, you know, you think it's going to be something glamorous, but it's, it's really not. And it's like, wait, it is just people's names on tiles. Yeah, it's really, I sort of felt that way when I went to the first Starbucks in Seattle, too. I was like, this is a tourist trap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see where that might be a thing. And it's like, yeah, wait, I've seen lots of Starbucks. Why did I need to see the first one? Okay. I still went there, though. But yeah, I mean, it, you gotta check it off the list. You have, you have to get the order of coffee from there. Just say you did. Yeah, now it would be it would be so much worse if you dedicated yourself to I must go to every Starbucks and order a coffee there. That, that becomes a it, its own like never ending adventure. Yeah. Okay, so has has your travel schedule picked up since you've come to Point of Rental, or has it kind of dropped off as like you have maybe more responsibilities? Um. As far as uh, like going internationally, probably, but I've had a lot of chance to travel around the country since I've worked at Point of Rental, um, and I've had a lot of chance to travel like with Point of Rental as well. Yeah, I was going to ask, are you are you able to get any side trips in? Because I know I th- I'm pretty sure you've had actual work trips. I know you've yeah. had at least a couple because I've seen you there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the first work trip I went on was the uh, ARA show in uh, Las Vegas um, in 2021, October 2021. And uh, then I also went to the uh, ARA in Orlando uh, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And a couple weeks ago, I went to Boston for an AED summit. It was pretty good. And all those times, I had a little bit of time to explore um, the cities that they were in and you know see some things. And you, and you still do a, a little pre-trip planning and be like, all right, I'm going to have like three hours where I have like a little free time. <laughs> I'm going to need to see this and this and this. Are you, are you still doing that? Yeah. So, like, when I was in Boston recently, the number one thing, I, there are two things I wanted to do. One, I wanted to get Dunkin' Donuts at least once because you have to while you're there. And I did. And it, and it doesn't count to visit the ones that are, like, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You yeah. had to visit the one. In, and it's okay. easy because there's one on every corner. There was one next to our hotel. So It, it is really like finding easy. a Starbucks in Seattle. Yeah, literally. It was, <laughs> it was very easy. And um, I wanted to see the USS Constitution, and I got to see that. That was really cool. Okay, why do you want to see the USS Constitution? Um, it's one of my favorite just ships of all time. And when I was younger, uh, 
I built a, a Lego model of it. Not like a set. Like I put a bunch of things together and made a model of the USS Constitution. So I've always wanted to see it. Wow, you're far more hardcore a, a Lego guy than. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like if I built a boat, it'd be like it's a boat. Like there's not a specific thing. It you, you get the idea. It's kind of the shape. Yeah, <laughs> but all right, that's that's cool. Uh, let's see. You've said you're into cars and history as well. So how do you bring those into your travels? You've, you've mentioned the you've mentioned the history a lot, but cars. Yeah, no, I, I really like cars. Um, probably secondary to things like watches, but you know, I, I'm still really into cars. But <laughs> it's a lot harder to get all the cars in. in yeah, one place. very much so. Um, but I've I've been able to see some cool car museums in the past. Um, you know, one specifically that I think of is I was in Monaco, and the Prince of Monaco has this collection in a museum, so you can go and visit it. And Did, I remember when you go to a museum, like at, I assume you're an Indiana Jones fan as well. Do you ever say it belongs in a museum? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Sorry, continue about your. The new one wasn't very good, by the way. <laughs> oh well. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Um, but yeah, no, in the uh, museum they had a lot of cool stuff, including a uh, Lamborghini Countach. If you know what that is, that's growing up, a, that was like the the thing that I wanted as a kid. I was like, "That is the coolest looking car I've yeah. ever seen." I feel like, I mean, I wasn't alive in the '80s, but I feel like everybody had a picture of that in their room in the '80s. Um, and I remember when I saw that, I was like, "Oh!" I told my friend, "Like, hey, take a picture of me in front of this." He was like, "It's like an old car. Why do you want a picture in front of that?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "This is the this is bigger than any." thing that ever bugatti whatever this is the biggest celebrity i've ever seen yeah this is (laughs) but uh yeah it was it was pretty cool um and and in the same trip i had a really cool opportunity where we were at this uh, museum for perfume and cologne (laughs) sounds smelly yeah and uh there was this red ferrari sitting outside of it and it's just sitting there I like it caught my attention and I walked over and you could rent it and drive it around for a hundred bucks. So that's exactly what I did. And I was driving it through the, um, like through the cliffs and everything in Southern France and in, um, as was the name of the town overlooking the water and everything, the same route that James Bond, we're bringing that up again, uh, that he drove down that. There's okay. also like a, a music video um, with with Jay Z where he was driving a Ferrari down the same the same road. <laughs> mm, maybe, so I got to maybe do it was that. the same rental. Yeah, maybe it was the same rental. <laughs> yeah, it was the same model too when I watched the video, but it was a different color, so it wasn't the same, unless they oh. repainted it. But uh, that was such a cool experience um, because that combined like the history of the region, the culture, and everything with you know something that South France and Monaco is really well known for, which is having like crazy cars like that yeah so it was a really cool experience Uh, i always and a couple weeks ago i was in uh, mineral wells uh here in you know texas and there's a car museum in uh, weatherford that i went to that was kind of cool they had uh, lbj's cadillac there and some other cool stuff so but you didn't get to drive it (laughs) no (laughs) they don't rent that out for a hundred i don't think so (laughs) (laughs) well yeah so i i generally uh like to see something kind of related to to that when I travel somewhere. Okay, cool. Yeah, maybe maybe you can go back to to France and be like, hey, uh, do you need some rental software? Because I noticed you have some rentals. Like maybe <laughs> we can work out a, a deal here. I remember uh, I found a YouTube video of the same uh, rental 
the same route that I took with the rental because there's a guy that sits with you while you take it. Yeah. I'll just tell you where to go, obviously, and make yeah, sure you don't steal it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't want to give away that for a hundred dollars. Yeah. And I saw, uh, saw some YouTube videos of other people doing it. So I think it is a, I think people that visit that museum, they see that there and then they go and do oh, it. For sure. Yeah. You definitely clearly have people that are interested in cars. You just, Hey, yeah. It's pretty smart. All right, what's what's something that if I knew more about you, I would have definitely asked about because the people need to know it about you. Uh, something more about me. Yeah. Um, I I'm really into uh, really into music and I'm really into art history. Okay. Um, I just love uh, stuff like that. Okay, so what what kind of music? Um, I can really listen to anything, but like hip hop is definitely my favorite genre of music. Okay, so do you rap yourself, or is it just listening? <laughs> I do not, and you're not gonna get me to do that. Oh, <laughs> darn. Uh, I do usually like to get people that say they like to sing. Try to try to get them to sing a little. Yeah, I listen to music. I'm good at listening to it, but okay. that's that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that counts as a skill. It's like I'm a very excellent listener of music. Uh, okay, what's something that people misunderstand about you? Um, I think when uh, people first meet me, I think they assume maybe uh, I'm quiet or maybe I'm just a little. Uh, I mean, you are kind of quiet. So yeah, a lot of people that assume much. that, but maybe. But uh, <laughs> maybe you have to turn the mic up. But uh, <laughs> but when they get uh, me to talk about something, uh, I think they realize like, uh, I have a lot to say. Okay, so yeah, just a bit more reserved in, in yes. general. Yep. Okay. Do you have any questions for me? I ask, I get to ask everyone a lot of questions, so I you get one if you want to one question um what brought you to point of rental mm. well i i had left my previous job and i was really just applying everywhere so really <laughs> that that's all it was is it was available at the time i had no idea rental existed yeah <laughs> i had no idea of the concept of rental software but like when i was like looking through the website it's like hmm, yeah i guess people do need that, that yeah that does make sense and then, yeah, let, similar to your experience, it's like I, I met, you know, a group of people and I was like, oh, these people are pretty cool. I, I do want to work here. That would be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Five important questions. Five important, Five important, questions. important questions. Five important questions. Our first important question, all of the other stuff was completely useless. Um, I apologize to everyone who's <laughs> who listened to it. Uh, what would you say is your greatest success in life? I would say my ability to have good relationships with friends and family and like the people that I have in my life. Uh, yeah, it's good to have good relationships <laughs> with your friends. Yeah, of course. <laughs> do you have any good relationships with your enemies? Wait, how many enemies do you have? Not not many. Oh, okay. You don't <laughs> want to give them a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's a, I think uh for me like it's a good a success for me is like having you know a happy life, being around people that you uh, you know care about. Yeah. Okay. What is your greatest fear? Not being successful, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, how long have you had the fear of not being successful? Since uh, day one. Wow. You just <laughs> <laughs> came into the world. And you're like, gotta get success. What? What would? Well. I guess you're saying that success is, you know, just just being around people you you like slash love. I used to joke times. with Lauren that my biggest fear um, was not having a MacBook. Mm. 
And yeah, because I, you are I aware faced, of Lauren's reputation of like, yeah. yeah. Then I faced my fears and I got a MacBook, unfortunately. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, if you could tell first day at work, Joey, one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, and by at work, I mean at Point of Rental, not like. Yeah. Yeah. I would say uh, like trust the the plan and the process of uh, everything. I'm just giving you a look because it's like mm, Philly sports fan. Trust the process. I don't know about <laughs> this, but uh, I think I would tell myself that sometimes like growth and everything it takes time. Like sometimes when you first do something, it's you know frustrating if you don't get the results you want. Uh, but the more and more you try, and the more and more you go at it, um, it becomes easier and it becomes more second nature. All right, that especially like in something like sales, that's a you know very difficult career. Yeah, especially if you're doing like outbound sales, and you get absolutely. Yeah, I know. I don't pick up when someone tries to call. <laughs> uh, what is your most embarrassing moment as a pointer? Um, I, you you may or may not remember this, but uh, one time uh, I accidentally uh, pocket texted a group chat while I was walking with my friend in a parking garage. I remember where I was when it happened. Um, because I was getting a bunch of messages from uh, Allie and Jack, like, what, what is going on? In, the, I guess, the marketing group chat, I accidentally was sending, uh, like, kissy face emojis <laughs> to Jonathan. I don't know if you remember that. I do not remember. But that. I saw it, and I freaked out because <laughs> it was a – that was definitely embarrassing. And I remember just posting in the chat, I guess I'm never coming in ever again. <laughs> I have no idea how it happened. You're, you're just uh, now. I now I see why you're a strategic SDR now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, sorry. You've been. <laughs> I love this. I'm surprised you don't remember that. I, I, there's so many things. I yeah. Don't remember. <laughs> um. When, when you're as old as I am, you will start not remembering a lot of things. So sorry, you've been sentenced to death as you know. Accidentally texting everyone is now a capital offense. Uh, what is? What's your last meal and why? My last meal is probably. Probably is a lot pizza would be my last meal if it's in DFW area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like when they bring in that pizza. It's yeah, it's quite it's good. Really Do you have good. a particular set of toppings that you prefer? I like the uh, Jimmy sausage from that market in uh, like Lower Greenville, Jimmy's Italian Market or whatever it's called. Okay, it's really good. All right. Do you have a beverage of choice or or a dessert that you want with this uh, last meal? Or? Um, a Pellegrino, okay. water for dessert. Uh, probably. Like a chocolate cake. That'd probably be a good last meal. All right. Yeah. I mean, I think I'd be ready to go after that one. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Um, I wish I was a little bit more patient with things. Okay. That's that's a fairly common wish. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's hope that, that that usually comes with time, I think, yeah. and, and experience. Uh, if you could change one thing at point of rental, what would it be? Um, I think they should get rid of uh, Jack Baker. <laughs> they should get rid of him. Oh man, and I've already had Jack on, so he can't even like retaliate. And, and I, and I'm pretty sure he said the same thing about me for that mm. question. So <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I don't think he did. I think he was so much nicer. Now you should feel guilty and bad. Okay, uh, what what's your but, spirit spice? But in all honesty, oh, you, you want to yeah. have an honest answer? No, in all honesty, um, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot I would change. Um, as far as the culture is concerned, like everybody is. Uh, very friendly, and it definitely has a family feel to it. All right, good. Well, maybe maybe Jack's off the hook, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> you know, maybe Jack's around afterwards, or maybe not. Okay, what's your spirit spice? 
spirit spice. Um, I love lemon pepper. Okay, and you feel like lemon pepper embodies you. It's your, it has your spirit. I don't know. I just really like cooking with it. That's maybe why I said that. Okay, that's that's <laughs> mostly what everyone, what everyone goes with. Uh, tell me a secret about Point of Rental. A secret. Um, we have the leading uh, rental and hire management software. God, if that's a secret, it's then a we've secret, really yeah. been screwing up with marketing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I think a secret is. Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of really cool stuff that's on that's you know on the horizons coming up soon. Um, as far as you know, features that we have or integrations that you know our development team's working on, that are you know hopefully going to be out soon, and will definitely uh, you know no longer be a secret and yeah. definitely be good. Uh, what's something, whether relating to our software or not, that you could teach a three to five minute class about? Um, I think I could uh, teach a class on how to drive stick shift. Okay, but I know a lot of people don't know how to do that. I feel like I could. It's true, especially somebody. in America where there's yeah. really no reason to. Yeah. And even in a lot of other countries, it's pretty much phased out at this point. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. What's something you'd be excited to teach a 35 minute class about? I think that would be pretty exciting to teach. Just <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you do get to go into a car. That, yeah. And then people would, once they learn it, they'd be like, oh, wow, like this is so, <laughs> this is cool. It'd be an exciting thing to teach. Okay. Well, thank you, Joey, for chatting today. Our, I'm out of questions. We're totally done here. Uh, and to anyone that made it to this point with us, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll keep the porch light burning for you. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. No problem.